White Market Podcast. Free music and free culture. This is what we call fun time. I'm rocking low tops and long shirts and ripped up jeans Feels like 85 but we keep 100 degrees Got my triple layer clothing and I wake up in the morning and I Culture. Today, kicking off the show with Lucas and this PCH. It's a collaboration with Buse, and you can find it on Bandcamp. It's on an album called 18, and it's available on Creative Commons as usual, and you can get it on a name your price basis. Now, as you may have noticed, my voice is not having its greatest taste today, so I'm going to try and keep it quite short. But stay tuned, as today we have a very, very special show pretty cool interview coming up ahead. This week I had the opportunity to talk to Joris Peckel. He is the community coordinator for cultural heritage at Europeana and if you don't know what Europeana is it's the EU digital platform for cultural heritage. So basically what they do is they aggregate and display European digitized works from a variety of 
collections and institutions and organizations that go from the British Library and the Louvre to very, very tiny uh, institutions in smaller places. Uh, so stay tuned for that. For now, we go back to the music. They have been on a roll of releases and there's still one left to arrive. These are the Impossibles with a roller skating jam called Saturday Night. Find it on Block Sonic. It's Saturday night. It was Saturday night and I'm feeling kind of silly. Winter coat on cause the air was chilly. But I'ma make my way out to the record spot. Gotta find some new breaks for the beats to rock. I gotta come with the flavor like some lifesavers. Or now and later, Dr. Beatmaker. If I'm a player, it's like your tape deck. And if you miss the gig, then take a rain check. Stacks of wax piled high to the ceiling. Need a U-Haul truck if I would think about stealing. But it's not my steam, so I commence with the digging. No kidding. Something that'll keep the beats hitting what I'm getting. So much to choose from, bro. But it's worth it if I find some amusing, though. With an arm full of records and I roll like skates. Gotta call up Marcus J. So we can collaborate. Listen to the shy lights, have you seen her? When Doc hit me up in the email box, he said Here's a new beat, Marcus, tell me, can you rock? Can I rock? Sure, Doc, send me the beat I'ma write something hot, but hard like concrete Ain't a difficult thing for me to try to do Been doing the do since I was 22 Minus 10 years, cause I was only 12 Sorry I lied, but the rhyme worked well To be a good rapper, I guess I got to lie Like I got everything that money can buy Like the girls and the cars and the moon and the stars Like sleeping pill dreams for 16 bars Like rubber band balls, these rhymes is tight It's a roller skating jam called Saturday Night White Markets, where free music lives. But I never fought because of the help I brought in 
I don't care about they dream for me. I ain't the molecules and they steam. I'd rather have my young people drown in they stream. Yeah, all day I daydream. I focus on the shit, and I don't care about they dream for me. I ain't the molecules and they steam. I'd rather have my young people drown in they stream. Thoughts and L'Oreal with Daydreamer. You can find it on Club Coral, and I basically stumbled upon them on Bandcamp. They're sort of a recent ish uh, net label there. They have quite an incredible collection of really, really uh, well produced records. Now, before we find out what is our Starfrosh hot track of the week, it's time to listen to the first part of the interview with Joris Peckel. He is the Community Coordinator for Cultural Heritage at Europeana. And Europeana is quite an amazing project. 
they are sort of a meta aggregator uh, and displaced space for European digitized works. Now they have more than 53 million uh, works, artifacts, books, videos, sounds. Uh, so they have more than 53 million pieces of European culture available for search and display. Uh, on their website and it's it's an amazing European Union funded project and it was for me it was great to find out a bit more about what they do and how they work for someone who has absolutely no idea what Europeana is what would you say it is um, so Europeana is an organization and uh, we are with about 50 people in The Hague and we're also a network of about uh, 2,000 uh, people from the culture institutions uh, in Europe and we are trying to, um, to make available digitized European heritage to as many people as possible. So institutions, uh, they have been digitizing their collections for a while. Uh, they want to bring it to a wider public and we, uh, we help them with that. And how do you, how do, you do that? So uh, is it, because I, I, I know that the European Union uh, sort of funds the whole project, but you work with museums, you work with other institutions. How do all these things come together? Uh, at the basis, we we uh, aggregate a lot of uh, data from these culture institutions into one big uh, database. So we collect the metadata, we put it all in one place, so everybody can look for all these cultural objects from one uh, place, and that is the Europeana website. Uh, but with that, we have a lot of extra activities. For example, we work a lot on uh, uh, metadata modeling to make sure that all those different databases actually can uh, can be linked, can speak to each other. Uh, so we help institutions with that. Uh, we would do a lot on, on uh, also copyright, both on the reform side and on the educational side. For a lot of institutions, this is, yeah, these are tricky questions. What can and can I not do with my collection? And we try to standardize and uh, guide them through that. The collections that you have uh, is quite immense. Uh, yeah. You have more than 53 million artworks and artifacts and books and videos and sounds. And it, it, it is quite overwhelming to mm -hmm. dive into these, to these collections uh, if you're a beginner. Yes. So um, I'm quite glad that you, you divided the whole thing. So you have arts and fashion and, and music. Um, so how, how do you work this? Is, is mm -hmm. this just automatic or how does it work? Yeah, so you're right. We, your piano has now been around for seven, eight years and we have been uh, growing the database quite substantially, uh, over 50 million records, uh, which is not always easy to navigate. So, so first of all, in the last, I think, two years, uh, we're really focusing on uh, quality of the data over quantity. So we rather have an institution preparing 200 items, but, but really well with the right descriptions and so on, so people can easily find it, uh, rather than having uh, 100,000 items that, for example, all have the same title of a photograph or something like that. So that's, that's one thing. Um, 
and the thematic collections you mentioned, we uh, we realized that um, in order to divide, to, to pick a couple of themes and divide the collection per theme, it makes it easier for particular target audiences to search the database and also makes it easier for us to bring the data to these target audiences. So we launched um, Music and Art uh, about a year ago. And, uh, and basically they are filtered views of your piano. So uh, in the back end, there's just a big filter picking out all the collections that are relevant for art or music. Uh, and recently we've also uh, launched a beta version of fashion uh, that works the same way. On top of the collections, you also have uh, exhibitions and you also like sort of curate uh, certain themes of things so for instance right now you have the world war one uh collection thing going on in what way is an exhibition different than a collection so an exhibition is 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 really even more uh curated and here we also often work together with the culture institutions that we work with because well in the end they are the content experts uh we 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 are not or not as much as they are so together we come up with exhibitions we come up with a, a theme for that um, and then together we we write the exhibition, we pick the content, and we put it in our uh, our platform. Basically, what what Europeana aspires to, to be is is more of a a platform for cultural heritage institutions to bring their content to uh, to a particular audience, so they can uh, get their collection in a thematic collection if they think that's relevant and they can also approach us uh, with ideas for exhibitions. So do you have a team of curators or do you do you work with um, or do the institutions curate their own things? How does it work? Yeah, they, they do the most of the curation. Um, I mean, we do have some, a, a lot of people that work for Europeana, they also have an interest in culture, so they can help. But uh, it, it would be very unpractical and undoable for us to uh, to curate this, this all this material because, um, yeah, we are more of the middleman. And the curation part, I think, is uh, very well suited within uh, the culture institutions because they They've been working on their own collection. They know what kind of the treasures are in their collection um, and what the story is behind it. And that's that's information that, that's way more difficult for us to find. That was the first part of the interview with Joris Peckel. He is the Community Coordinator for Cultural Heritage at Europeana. And I must leave a personal appreciation note here on the show because he was incredibly kind with me. We actually did this interview twice because on the first time that we did it, uh, I had some technical issues and sadly his part of the interview didn't record. So uh, he very kindly agreed to redo it uh, just for the show. So I'm incredibly grateful for that. Now you'll be able to listen to the second part of the conversation uh, in a few minutes. Uh, we will be talking about Europeana Sounds Conference 2016, which was held last November in Lithuania, uh, and also about Europeana music and uh, how you can get involved with the project. But for now, it's time for our Starfrush Hot Track of the Week. Now, this one is sitting quite proudly on number nine of the electronic chart. 
You can find it on SoundCloud. And if you don't know what Staff Rush is, you can find out more about uh, their amazing work as a Hot 100 uh, chart system for Creative Commons music on our 3.15 episode. Uh, so just go to whitemarketpodcast.co.uk to listen to the interview with Marcus Kola. And of course, don't forget to go on Staff Rush, staffrush.com forward slash hot dash 100. This is our Staff Rush Hot Track of the Week. This is Reckless Elect by Lightfoot.
Reckless Elect by Lightfoot. You can find it on SoundCloud. And you can find the download link for this and any of the song played on the show, of course, on our website, whitemarketpodcast.co.uk. But this one specifically is our Starfrush Hot Track of the Week and it's currently sitting on number nine on the electronic chart on Starfrush. Starfrush is a website that runs a hot chart for Creative Commons music and it's an incredible resource if you're into this. Now it's time for us to listen to the second part of the conversation I had with Joris Peckel. He is the Community Coordinator for Cultural Heritage at Europeana and if you're into sound and music, the next part of the interview is going to be definitely up your street. Uh, We'll be talking about the Europeana Sounds Conference that was held last November on the 4th in Vilnius in Lithuania and also about Europeana music, how people can get more involved with music archives and last but not the least and of course we could not uh, not talk about that. We'll be talking about the upcoming copyright reform that's going to take place in the European Union next year and hear a bit more about Europeana's policy recommendations for this. In the beginning of November, there was this conference. And for me, as a sound person, as a music person and radio person, I found this uh, particularly exciting, which was about sound heritage. And, um, and can you tell us a bit about what happened in Lithuania for the conference? Yeah, sure. So... Um... We uh, well, we we obviously we had a bunch of speakers. Um, it was a a mixture of uh, people showing what can be done uh, with digitized uh, audio heritage. So there was somebody who um, who is trying to save uh, a lot of uh, traditional songs. He travels around uh, England and Ireland with a recorder, finding people in different communities that that still know these songs and tries to save them before these people uh, pass away. Um, So they're they're creating a whole database around that. Um, There was also a person that that showed how um, uh, this was, uh, songs are often carried over from from person to person and people migrate so they were able to bring together a whole uh, collection of songs from a community to um, um, yeah they could bring it together and tell a bigger story about migration uh, for example they combined uh, recordings from Scotland and Ireland uh, together to to bring a to put them into context basically that was quite nice um, I hope that that made sense um, yeah, so I, and I presented the Europeana Music website, so it was officially launched at that conference. So uh, a place where people interested in musical heritage can go to uh, find curated content and uh, yeah, and have, have, if you have music in mind uh, and heritage, then we hope that that is the place uh, on the Europeana platform for you to go to. Um, and what else? Oh, we, we can we can go to to the other things uh, in a bit. Okay. I'm particular. I'm also uh, very interested in in the whole Europeana music mm-hmm. uh, platform. So, why does music uh, have sort of this 
new place to be at Europeana? Um, I think two reasons. One is that um, music is is just nice. <laughs> it's quite popular. Uh, people people like music. People like traditional songs. Uh, we found that a lot of uh, like folklore researchers are really interested in this kind of material. Uh, and at the same time, uh, the conference was organized by a project called Europeana Sounds, which is a consortium of uh, sound archives. And they've been working for the last three years to uh, get as much uh, music heritage and sound heritage into Europeana. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we had a, a very nice corpus of, of material. And that's why we decided to uh, to create this thematic collection, uh, European music. And on top of that, on top of everything else, I was also particularly um, interested in the the European uh, sound heritage policy uh, recommendations for the copyright uh, regulation that is about to come out uh, in the European Union sometime next year. And um, and there, there were a few. The, the policy recommendations uh, were drafted. It's it's stated very clearly that they were drafted before the the, the proposal came out in September, uh, but that you felt it was still very appropriate and you still had some concerns. Um, what what is your uh, position on how this copyright regulation should? Uh, happen in in Europe. One of the useful things about uh, having a project like Europeana, I think, is that you get a pretty nice overview of uh, of the heritage of the cultural institutions uh, in their situation in Europe. And what we can uh, very clearly see see and and visualize is that um, that there's a huge gap in uh, content from the 20th century uh, up to like 1900 1910 1920 there's a lot of material and it increases and logically because people have been producing and preserving uh, much more you would expect that curve to go up but it's suddenly there is a big big drop and um, and that's that's largely maybe not fully but 99% to blame on, on, on copyright restrictions. Institutions, they collect material, uh, they preserve it, they digitize it, but because uh, there are still rights attached, they cannot uh, get it online for people to see and to use and to learn from. Um, in some cases, that is, that, is, that is correct because they're rights holders and they uh, deserve uh, to be paid for uh, works that they've made. But in a lot of cases, we, we don't know who the authors are or there is no commercial interest in the material whatsoever. And this material is all uh, fully locked in the vaults of these, uh, in, of these institutions. So as Europeana, we, with the network, we are able to, to sort of speak in one voice and be heard much more than uh, if an individual institution would go to the European Commission and say this doesn't work for us. So together we have compiled um, yeah, a lot of information and opinions and, and so on and this has become this document. And one of the things is that uh, it should for example be a lot easier for institutions 
sufficient to make available out-of-commerce works. So material that no one uh, is expecting to make money of, um, but can be interesting for research purposes and so on. You use a, a lot of sort of case studies uh, that the, the, about the works that are out of commerce um, uh, but still have copyright but so no one can really access to them as you mentioned before uh, and how for instance France and Germany sort of try to tackle those issues but then uh, I can say for instance in Portugal but well there are lots of things that just get really lost in time um, because of that but you also talk about the importance of heritage and how um, things like geolocking uh, the access to these collections uh, can be an obstacle. How can these issues be tackled at a European level? Um, yeah, so, so as Europeana, we have a very clear couple of, of opinions of stand of yeah standpoints. I don't know English word, but, uh, about this, and that is. Um, um, Heritage is something that uh, that everybody should be able to to access, to learn from, uh, and use in any way possible. Especially when something is uh, is is very old and therefore in the public domain. So the rights holders have been uh, passed away long enough that there are no rights attached. Um, we feel that it's kind of the the moral obligation the, in in the mission statement of every institution to share that that material as wide as possible. They are publicly funded institutions, um, so therefore they should serve uh, the public. And a lot of institutions, they, they want to do this because they, they feel the same way, but they are, are being uh, blocked either by um, by management or by, um, by, by simply um, national legislations. Um, and for example, geolocking, um, it's it's I know it's for a lot of institutions it's always a bit of a balance to find a solution that works for everybody um, so some institutions they could only make a deal with uh, with their rights holders for example if they would apply geolocking at the same time it's for me it's it's it feels kind of ridiculous because you're finding material online. Uh, everybody should be able, you can now find material from all over the world through the internet and then you are going to attempt to restrict that to particular countries. And to be fair, it's fairly easy to circumvent those kinds of geolockings anyway. Um, so it's, it's, I know a lot of institutions and that's, this is where we would like to help as European and also with going to Brussels and lobby at the commission level um, in order to take away a lot of these, yeah, I would say, fears and, and doubts about what can and cannot be done with my collection, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And um, sort of uh, going back a bit uh, in our conversation, uh, one, of, one of the things that's also um, that was also sort of talked about and stuff is how people can become more involved with the music archives. Mm -hmm. So, uh, how do you work on that? 
Um, so we have been working a lot uh, with the Pro European Sounds project on uh, uh, crowdsourcing. So we, uh, in yeah, like you said, in Europeana, there's a lot of material, uh, but not always the material is easy to find because um, because the metadata is not sufficient. And this is we feel where users can be of great help by uh, by telling us uh, what it's about. Um, in the case of music, uh, what kind of uh, style is it? What kind of instruments are being used? Uh, and those kind of user-generated uh, efforts are, are really helpful in a sector where there is uh, not a whole lot of money, so uh, institutions often don't have the time or the resources to go into that kind of detail. And by setting up crowdsource activities, we have had a fair amount of success with people uh, transcribing uh, particular documents, handwritten letters, or adding additional information. And this is something that in this kind of 2016 was the year that we we started experimenting with that, but we, we really want to continue with that. Um, and how beyond this this part of people helping with the music archives, how can people help Europeana in sort of a wider way? Um, I would say first of all, uh, use it. <laughs> it's uh, it's there. It's. Um... It, it can be. It, it's a very. It's a very nice collection of material that that you can't find anywhere else. Um, so that's that's one thing. And um, it's always useful to get to get feedback as well. Like what can we improve? What 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 works well? What doesn't work well? Compliments are always very welcome as well. Um, but I, I think that's the main thing. So we, we Europeana is really the in between. Um, yeah, organization like the broker between um, the culture institutions that have material and want it shared and the people that are looking for partic particular uh, material uh, and that can be for any kind of purpose so uh, people looking for sheet music to to play old songs uh, uh, to um, I don't know just looking at pretty pictures of, of paintings is there any change coming in the near future to Europeana? Well, we're always changing and always evolving. <laughs> um, I think next year will be um, we will continue with the idea of these thematic collections. So, we, what we have found is that um, with art and music collections, um, we can reach a much more uh, targeted audience. And what we have seen in our statistics is that these are the people that stay much longer on the site. They visit much more pages. They, uh, there's a much lower bounce rate. There's a really a lot deeper engagement uh, with those thematic com collections compared to the main European portal, which is just yeah the bucket of everything, I would say. Um, so we have uh, the beta version of Fashion early next year that will become uh, officially uh, launched. Um, and there are a couple of more of these thematic collections lined up, like uh, photography, and then more like journalism and, and art photography. Uh, the First World War uh, collection will become a thematic collection as well. Uh, newspapers, that's one I'm personally quite excited about. So 
there are like millions of newspapers uh, that you can search through um, to find what happened on a particular day or in a particular country. Uh, yeah, I really like that stuff. Um, and uh, so those are the things that we have lined up for 2017. And in the meantime, we continue like improving the backend, make it easier for institutions to share data with Europeana. Um, and the uh, the policy work in Brussels will uh, will continue. And just um, sort of for people to have an idea, how many institutions work with you on a regular basis and how many people visit the website sort of on a monthly basis? So we now have the data of about 3,500 cultural institutions in Europe and and and. I mean, these go everywhere from uh, like really famous big ones to like the Rijksmuseum or the French National Library to uh, a regional archive in uh, Bulgaria. Uh, therefore, some are way more active than others. Like some have whole teams that continue are continuously digitizing and sharing and so on. And others have contributed one time and then uh, went off to do other things. So about 3,500. Um, in terms of numbers, we get about, I would say, half a million visitors to the Europeana website. Um, but what um, I think is quite interesting is that we we are also uh, taking up an approach of why not bring the content to the places where people are already there, actually. So um, that's, uh, for example, social media, so Twitter and Pinterest and those kind of things are quite popular. But um, we also work a lot with, for example, the Wikimedia Foundation. Uh, that's the foundation responsible for, example, the Wikipedia articles. And cultural heritage content can be used quite nicely in Wikipedia articles. So if the copyright allows, we try to bring the material to Wikimedia Commons, the media file repository of Wikipedia, so the volunteers of Wikipedia can actually use those items in pages. And and that's the, the amount of numbers when that happens are just, are just insane because Wikipedia is, uh, I think, right now the, the fifth or sixth biggest website in the world. So if you manage to get your contents in an article, um, then it, yeah, it goes through the roof, basically. Um, so that's, that's a, we have a website, but at the same time, we, we encourage a lot of reuse of the material. That's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, anything I might have forgot this time or anything else that you'd like to add? Um, well, it may be related to that, uh, as you're into uh, music, we last week we did a, um, we spent a whole day with a lot of the sound archives in um, making material uh, uh, available on SoundCloud. So we have uploaded a whole bunch of uh, playlists and material um, to, to SoundCloud created, and which is there for, uh, yeah, to use. It's all open, uh, openly licensed. So that's uh, maybe you want to have a look at it. It's the I think if you search for Europeana SoundCloud, you'll find the material. That was the end of the interview with Joris Peckel from Europeana. You can find more about them, their work, what they do, and of course 
the whole collection of more than 53 million pieces of European culture on their website, europeana.eu. You can also find the direct links to their Sounds Conference page and also to the copyright policy recommendations that they do um, on our website, whitemarketpodcast.co.uk. If you are wondering what was playing on the background, of course, that's also free music, although uh, in this case not available on Europeana. All the music that was playing on the background is licensed under an attribution non-commercial Creative Commons license and you can find it on Needle Drops collection via free music archive. All the download links of course, as usual, on whitemarketpodcast.co.uk. Now, as Yuris suggested uh, that I'd visit Europeana's brand new SoundCloud page, of course, I had to do that. Now, Europeana's work on music uh, right now revolves a lot about uh, traditional and folk music and also uh, around things that are under the public domain. And this is available on their SoundCloud via the Latvian National Library. It's one of my favorite pieces of opera. I'm not I'm not a huge opera fan, but I really, really like this. This is the Habanera from Carmen, and it's by George Bizet. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
Download this and other episodes at whitemarketpodcast.co.uk.
That was Matthias Westlund with Winter's Call. You can find it on About to Feel. I'm not quite sure. Uh, feel is a French platform, so there is a very high chance I'm saying it wrong. Uh, either way, I have been wanting to play this on the show for quite a while. Uh, Eric from feel sent it to me a few weeks ago and I've wanted to play it, but somehow never got around to it. So here it is. That was Matthias Westland with Winter's Call. Now, feel is a free music platform. Um... And even if you're not a French speaker, uh, it's very easy to navigate and it's very comprehensive. So even if you're not a French speaker, it is a great resource to find free music. Now, before I wrap up the show, uh, I've got an announcement to make, which is White Market Podcast will become available every two weeks. Over the last... Uh, few months uh, so since july i think we've been uh, running weekly on a weekly basis with a few hiccups here and there but mostly on a weekly basis but from now on uh, the podcast will become available every two weeks our slots on sound out radio and on spark sunderland are the same so you just have to make sure that you're running on the right week. This means that our next episode will become available on the 18th of December. So just just mark your calendars. We are now every two weeks. Closing up the show with a trip to Monophonico's collection. You can find this one on their compilation Colores Paralelos. Find the direct download link on whitemarketpodcast.co.uk as well as the download links for every other song we played on the show as well as detailed credits on the background music of the interview with Joris Peckel from Europeana. To find out more about Europeana, just go to europeana.eu and don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at whitemarketcast. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Until then, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful time. See you later.
Weight Market Podcast. Free music and free culture. 